0: Good morning. Good morning. Um, So what if instead of saying Merry Christmas to one another during this time of the year, we actually said, be not afraid? That's the question that is posed by author Scott Erickson in his book Honest Advent. It's a devotional about awakening to the wonder of God with us both then, here, and now. Now, if we were to walk around our community and people, instead of saying Merry Christmas, said, do not be afraid, that might be shocking to our system. I mean, imagine, you know, going to Walmart, there's the bell ringer standing out front, and instead of them saying Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, they say, be not afraid. Or you get that Christmas card in the mail, and instead of it saying Merry Christmas, it says, fear not. Fear not. I mean, if you came across that bell ringer at Walmart and they said, be not afraid or do not be afraid, you might be like, what's going on inside that store? Actually, you might be thinking that anyway. It's, it is Walmart. Um, or, or you get that Christmas card in the mail and they say, fear not. You might be thinking, what is going on in their family that they're saying, fear not? Now, I'm not sure if you know this, but if you read the Christmas stories found in the Gospels, one of the phrases that's actually often repeated a great deal is be not afraid. For example, in the book of Luke, when Zechariah encounters an angel and is told about the birth of John the Baptist, the angel says, do not be afraid. When Mary is told that she's going to give birth to Jesus, the angel tells her, do not be afraid. When the angel appears to the shepherds, they hear, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. In the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph is told not to fear taking Mary as his wife. Now, all of these moments where we're told not to fear in the Christmas story happens in the midst of mighty encounters with heavenly beings. And truth be told, if an angel showed up in my living room, I too might need to be told, do not be afraid because I'm not so sure I would not need to clean myself up after encountering a heavenly host. But what if one of the messages... That you and I are meant to receive at Christmas is do not be afraid. What would our lives look like if the fear and the anxiety that so many of us deal with day in and day out came face to face with the message of Christmas? The message that God leaves heaven, comes to this world in humble means to be with us. Now, if you're just joining us this morning, or maybe uh, you missed last week, we are in the week two of our Christmas series we're calling With. And in this series, we're discovering the amazing gift that is Christmas. Now, if you missed last week, you you missed a great message as Jason started us off and reminded us that with the birth of Jesus, God is with us in our failures. And if you missed it, I highly recommend go online, listen to that message. It's a great one. But in that message, he also talked about that so often when we get to this month of December, with all the busyness and hubbub that comes with Christmas, with buying presents and kids programs and parties and decorating and pictures with Santa on and on, we often get distracted from the true wonder that is Christmas. The true wonder of Emmanuel, God with us. The message that the God of heaven who spoke and created the universe, came to earth in the form of a baby. And he moved into our neighborhoods. He moved into our lives to be with us. With us in our mistakes and failures. With us in our busy lives. With us in our illnesses. With us in our brokenness. With us in our celebrations. And with us in our worries and anxieties. I think for many of us in this room this morning... We need a whole lot of Jesus with our worries and anxieties, especially this month. Many of us come into the season and we're feeling some anxiety. We're anxious. We're anxious if there'll be enough underneath the tree. We might be anxious about those family gatherings and if everyone is going to get along. We're anxious about finding childcare when school is out of session. We're anxious about traveling to go see family. We're anxious about feeling alone maybe, as maybe that loved one has passed away or you're dealing with loss of um, a spouse or something through divorce. You're anxious maybe about letting others down. Or maybe you're getting to the end of the year and you're looking back at your last year and you're anxious because you know you've let yourself down. The truth is if you're feeling worried or anxious, you are not alone. According to Forbes Health, in any given year, 19.1% of Americans will suffer from an anxiety disorder. That's twice the number of those who suffer from depression. And if you broaden that study to include anyone who ever experiences an anxiety disorder at any time in his or her life, the number increases to 31%. Almost a third of us in this room at one time or another in our lives will experience an anxiety disorder. As psychologist Robert Leahy points out, the average high school kid today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Now, there's lots of reasons for this. As he looked at the rise of anxiety in kids, he found that material comfort and security may be higher than it was back then, but other prevailing issues like separation from extended family, loss of community and neighborhood, uncertain employment, threats of terrorism, uncertain futures, high medical costs, immersion and technology, and lack of emotional support are few of the many contributing factors to fear in kids. As Leahy puts it, we live in the age of anxiety. We've become a nation of nervous wrecks. But this is not the life that God wants for us. This is not the life that Jesus came to give us. In Luke 2:10, an angel shows up on the scene. He speaks to the shepherds about a baby in a manger, and it says, "But the angel reassured them, "Don't be afraid," he said. "I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people." The angel brings a message of good news, not bad news. Not news like we watch on cable television at night with all the doom and gloom that creates fear in us. No, what is it? it's a message of good news. And it's a news that brings what? He says joy. But not just joy, he says great joy. A few verses later in verse 14, we read that the angels are, are praising God for the birth of Jesus and they say glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The angels show up, they say, Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Jesus has come. And now, with him, now, him with us is joy and peace. See, the bottom line is this God with us is enough for our anxious souls. Now, as we get into this, I, I do need to make, maybe make a little bit of a caveat here. I believe that we as humans are complex creatures, that we are a collection of mind, body, and soul. And therefore, there are times when even dealing with things such as a clinical anxiety disorder, that a physical solution might be needed. The anxiety that we might be facing is rooted in something chemically that's happening in our brains, which is best treated with medicine. Or it might be related to how much sleep we are getting or not getting, or maybe our diet. In addition, anxiety and fear um, might have at its root an emotional trauma that needs to be handled with some Christian counseling to get to the root of the issues. Just so we're clear on this, there are real medical and mental health issues that exist in the arena of fear and anxiety. And as we're talking about anxiety, I'm not downplaying those real issues. Sometimes for people experiencing a diagnosed anxiety disorder, medicine might be required And sometimes counseling is needed to dig deep into the root causes of chronic anxiety. But here is the message I believe that God has for us this morning. Whether you're dealing with worry and anxiety from a clinical standpoint or dealing just with the day-to-day worries and anxieties that come from simply being human, the message of Christmas is that God is with you. He's with you. When you're facing those worries and concerns, he's with you. He sees you. And he wants to meet you in those dark places. Now, as we explore God with us in our worry and anxiety, we're going to step away from the Christmas story. We're going to take it back to the Old Testament and to the book of Psalms. And we're going to learn from King David, who learned how God with him brought contentment, peace, and joy. So we're going to read Psalm 16, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. But as I read that this morning, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think about those things that most worry you, those things that might cause you anxiety. And I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to receive what David writes. Starting in verse 1, he says this. Keep me safe, O God, for I've come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, You are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I will not take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Lord, You alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You can open your eyes. David is writing this psalm from a spirit of great contentment. In verses 8 through 11, at the end of the passage, you kind of get the main idea. David is saying, God, I know you are with me. You are right beside me. My body finds rest. I'm not filled with worry or anxiety. God, you show me where life is and you grant me joy and pleasure just simply by being in your presence. God with us is fullness of joy. Now, you might be asking, okay, so how does David come to experience this? How does David find rest for his soul in the presence of, of God with him? Well, if you look at the passage as a whole, it really comes down to this. David is, it's a, it's a psalm, so it's a, it's a prayer to God. But as he's pouring his heart out to God, it's also a reminder for David. David is reminding himself this. He's basically saying this, God, you are enough for me. You see, I think one of the things we need to do when we're struggling with fear and anxiety is we need to be reminded that God is enough for us. There have been times in my life where I've experienced anxiety, times in my life I've experienced panic attacks. In 2015, we were in the midst of planting a church. It was a time where I, I went through a season of great anxiety. And if I'm honest, what was happening in my life in that moment is I was was placing the weight of the church on my shoulders. Everything depended upon me. People's lives depended on me. Their spiritual walks with Jesus depended on me. My imperfections, my sins, I was afraid would lead people astray. And in those moments, what I was doing is I was playing God. Here's the thing about me. I make a lousy God. And I love you, but you make a lousy God too. We all make lousy gods. And what happens is when you and I start playing God is we start putting too much weight on ourselves. Weights that you and I were never meant to carry. And all of a sudden, before we know it, that weight becomes debilitating. And that weight causes worry and anxiety. See, I really believe that we are so anxious Because we are carrying too much weight. And you and I, we need to be reminded over and over and over again that God is enough. That you don't have to carry that weight. That's not your job. That's God's job. And Psalm 16 is a reminder to us that God is enough. That him with us is enough. Now, if you're dealing with clinical anxiety, I know tons of people who have found comfort and care in being reminded that God is enough for them, that they don't need to carry the weight of the world. And for those of us that are just dealing with the day-to-day worries that come with having jobs and families and bills to pay and food to put on the table, God is enough for you as well. And I think there are three primary things in which David reminds us of in this passage that God is enough. As I think about those three things, I think they're primarily some of the three things that that really cause a great deal of anxiety in us day in and day out. And the first thing that David reminds us of is that God is enough to protect us. And God is enough to protect us because he's good. If you look at verses 1 and 2, it says, Keep me safe, O God, for I've come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you Listen, when we are feeling afraid and anxious, do we remember that God is our protector and that he's good? And that he is our place of refuge, that we can come to his loving arms and find comfort. See, David recognizes that every good thing that he has comes from God and because of God's goodness. Now, I think a lot of times we can understand this intellectually, Like we can read God's word and say, yes, God, you are my protector. God, I know that you are good. But sometimes it's harder to feel that. And it's harder to feel that because life is hard. We experience loss. We lose that loved one. Our our health starts to falter. Maybe we encounter a person who's cruel to us or our, our boss fires us for no reason. And those moments happen in life and all of a sudden we doubt that God is protecting us. That he's keeping us from harm. Some of you in this room are anxious about a great many things because you have experienced heartache. You've experienced pain from the things in this world. People have harmed you. You always haven't felt God's protection. I don't want to minimize your pain. This world stinks sometimes. It just does. Hard things do happen We can't always know the reason for why it happens. But I'm reminded also of David's words in Psalm 34, where he writes, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You know why David writes this? How David writes this? He writes this because David has experienced brokenheartedness. He's experienced trouble. His spirit has been crushed. David knew hardship and challenge, and yet time and time again he says, God, you are still good. How does he live in that tension? God, you are good and you protect me, and yet I've experienced heartache. Well, he remembers that, yes, I've experienced heartache, but God, you've come through for me before. I know you're still good because, God, I've seen you rescue me from the troubles I'm facing. Not that he's kept me from all the troubles, but you've walked with me through all of it. And you've got me on the other side. You know, truth be told, when there's moments now today where I experience some anxiety and worry, I can think back to 2015 and I can think back on how horrible it was, but I can also remember that God was with me every step of the way. And he walked with me through that and he brought me out on the other side. And he protected me and kept me safe through all of it. David is reminding himself that, God, you are my protector because I know that you are good. And when we're experiencing worry and anxiety, we've got to remember, God, you are good to us. You've come to my rescue before, and I'm going to just trust that you're going to come to my rescue again. So David reminds himself that, God, you're my protector because you're good. He also reminds himself that that God is enough to provide. And he provides really in three ways in the passage. The first way is that God provides community. He provides friendship. If you look at verses 3 through 4, He writes, The godly people in the land are my true heroes. I take pleasure in them. Troubles multiply for those who chase after other gods. I'm not going to take part in their sacrifices of blood or even speak the names of their gods. Here, David is commenting and he's giving a contrast between two groups of people. On one hand, there's the godly people who live in the land, and he takes pleasure in them. He sees them as his his friends, his companions. But he contrasts that with a group of people who chase after other gods. And how he will not take part in the same ungodly practices. And David is rejoicing that, that he has godly people in his life who surround him. In times of worry and anxiety, do you remember and experience that there are people who love you and love God? Do you seek out people who speak life to you, that bring encouragement to you? Or do you surround yourself with people who chase after other gods and add to your anxiety? Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, Paul. I don't have people in my life that chase after other gods. I mean, I don't know people in my my sphere of influence, people that I know that have got little statues all over their house that they're bowing down and worship to. There's not people that are sacrificing goats in their houses. That doesn't happen. Except we all have people in our lives who worship other gods. They're not little gods of statues, but they're the gods of success or wealth or status or power or that nice house or that nice car or reputation, you name it. And often what happens is we start surrounding ourselves with people that are chasing after other gods and then we begin to compare. And we see their lives and we see our lives and there's a gap. And you know what happens in the gap? All of a sudden we start believing we're not enough. We don't measure up. I don't have their life. What they post on Facebook doesn't look like what I have. And in the gap, we create, we have anxiety and we have worry. But David is saying, you know, there are people around me that bring encouragement and joy. And so my question is do you have people who come alongside you and say, listen, you are enough? Do you have people that come alongside and say, God, is enough for you? God loves you. He sent his son for you. Do you have a community of people who can lift you up, pray for you, and tell you that you are not alone? It's one of the reasons here at Great Oaks that we are so passionate about life groups. Life groups are small groups of people, eight to 12, that meet in people's homes um, either through the week or or in their homes or in the community throughout the week. And there's spaces where people study God's word together. And they pray for one another And they encourage one another and they have fun together and they serve together. And there's places where if you're dealing with anxiety and worry, it's a place where you can find hope and healing and friendship. If you're not in a life group, I would highly encourage you to get plugged into one. In January, we'll do another round of signups on the 7th and the 14th of January. There'll be uh, life group leaders that have space available. And so just mark your calendar for those. I highly encourage you to get plugged into one of those. So God provides for David community. But he also provides for David materially. If you look in verses 5 through 6, he says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. David says, God, you are my inheritance. He's saying, Lord, I I trust that you're going to provide for me. And he's able to reflect on the fact that God has provided for him. He's sitting in this land that God promised to the Israelites. And now David is the the king over this land. And he said, God, I've seen you come through and provide time and time again. You are my inheritance. God, you've been so good to me. When you think about your worry and anxiety, how much of it is rooted in your physical needs not being met? How many nights do you lay awake wondering where the resources are coming for this or that? Where you're wondering if I'm going to be able to make the payment. and my kids going to be able to afford college? Am I going to be able to pay for this traveling baseball team or whatever? Or am I ever going to be able to re- retire? But I'm reminded of Jesus' words in Matthew 6. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food in your body, more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Jesus reminds us that we have a good God who loves to give good gifts to his kids. God wants to bless. He wants to provide. Now, that's not to say that God's gonna make you wealthy. It doesn't mean you get the largest block or house on the block or the Ferrari in the driveway. Actually, I think a lot of times our pursuit of those things actually leads to more anxiety than contentment because we're also chasing and running after something we're never going to get. What David, though, is experiencing and remembering is he's saying, God, I'm content with what you've blessed me with. The cup of blessing that you've given to me is enough for me. It gives me pleasure and contentment. There have been times in our lives, Stephanie and I's lives, where there's been moments where we're like, I don't know how all these bills are getting paid. We don't know how ends are going to be met. And there's moments where we get worried and we get frustrated, and I'm like, I, I don't know, and I, I start to get a little anxious. And every single time that's happened, God has provided. He's provided. Now we don't have the biggest house. We drive used cars. But we have learned to be content in what God has blessed us with. He's provided for all of our needs. So God provides materially. He also provides spiritually. And this is the message of Christmas. In verse 10, David writes, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your holy one to rot in the grave. It's a really interesting verse because um, if you know anything about David's story, he dies. Um, and then he ends up rotting in a grave, right? Like all of our bodies will one day rot in a grave. And so when he says that, what is he talking about? Well, if you fast forward to the New Testament in Acts chapter 13, Paul quotes Psalm 16. And he says, Your holy one will not rot in the grave. What Paul says is, that's Jesus. Psalm 1610 is a prophecy pushing forward to Jesus. He's talking about that God will provide spiritually. He will provide a Savior, one of my favorite stories <clears throat> excuse me, in the Old Testament is found in the book of Genesis, in chapter 22. It's a bit of a weird story, uh, but in it, there's a guy named Abraham. And God promises Abraham that, that Abraham's going to have a son. Even though he's really old and his wife is really old, God is going to give them a son. And lo and behold, God gives them a son, and they name that son Isaac. But then in chapter 22, God looks at Abraham and he tells him, okay, Abraham, I want you to do this crazy thing. I want you to go up on this mountaintop and I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac to me as a thing of faith. Again, it's a crazy story. And I remember the first time I really understood that story. I was in seminary um, up in Minnesota and my professor was teaching this story and I remember hearing the story and thinking about a dad giving up his son and my firstborn, Joshua, had just been born. And I love that boy. And I remember thinking, there is no way I would ever give up my son. God, if you came to me and said, sacrifice Joshua, I'd be like, go away, God, I'm done with you. I I just couldn't do it. And then my professor continues to teach, and he says, if you know that story anybody that when, when Abraham goes up to the mountain with Isaac, God says, Wait a second, don't sacrifice your son. I'll provide another sacrifice. And in that moment, there's another sacrifice that is given and, and Isaac is spared. And my professor looked at the class, he said, that story is not at all about Abraham and Isaac. That story is all about God and his son Jesus who doesn't spare his son, who gives his son as a sacrifice for every single one of us and he does it because he loves us. And I remember the love that I have for my son Joshua and the heartache that would come if somebody took his life and think about God giving up his son for us. In Genesis twenty-two fourteen, 14, it says, So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. That phrase, the Lord will provide, is actually the name of God. In the original translation, it is Jehovah. The name of God hyphen Jireh, J-I-R-E-H, which means provision. His name is God provides. The name of God is that he will provide. The message of Christmas is that God will provide. He provides himself in the form of his son to come and live among us. And so listen, when you're dealing with anxiety and worry, do you remember that God loves you so much that he provided himself for you? Oftentimes when we're facing anxiety, I know in my life it's because I I feel like I don't measure up. I feel anxiety because I I feel like I'm not lovable. The message of Christmas that God provides a son is that I am lovable and that I am enough. So God provides community, he provides materially, he provides himself spiritually. And then finally, we're reminded because of these things that God is enough to guide. In verse 7, he says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. David is also saying, God, you are enough because of these things now to guide me. You're enough for me to follow and for me to put my trust in you. You know, when we're experiencing anxiety, one of the hardest things for us to do is trust God's good plans for us. It is so hard to humble ourselves and trust. It's hard because when we're experiencing worry and anxiety, there's a part of me that's just throwing up my hands and going, God, where are you? God, I thought that you loved me. I thought you were my protector. I thought you were going to surround me with people who care for me. I thought you were going to provide for my needs, and you feel silent. You feel like a million miles away. Where are you? In these moments, I'm reminded that God does have good plans for us. Plans to exalt us, like in 1 Peter 5, where he says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Something really interesting about that verse. uh, That's the New Living Translation right there. And in the New Living Translation, there's a period between verse 6 and verse 7. Humble yourselves, and then a new thought, give all your worries and cares to God. But actually, if you look in the original Greek... In the Koine Greek, there is no period between verse 6 and verse 7. It's a comma. The ESV translates it this way. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, there is no command here to cast your anxieties on Jesus. The command is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Basically, let God guide you. And the result of that is the casting of your anxieties. You see, the way that you and I deal with anxiety and fear is we don't try to get rid of it. It's not going to work. If you, start wor- trying to wor- if you try to get rid of your worry, you're just going to start worrying about your worry. If you try to get rid of your anxiety, you're going to feel anxious about your anxiety. The way that we get rid of anxiety is we learn to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. The command is to humble yourself, to place yourself under the power of Almighty God and let him guide you. You learn to rest and trust in his mighty power and his goodness and his grace. And the result of that is the removal of our anxiety. Why? Because in that we learn when he guides us that he cares for us. And in his presence is a fullness of joy. Now you might be thinking, Paul, this this is easy for you. You're, you're a pastor, right? Like, you're really close to God. So, of course, you've learned how to work with God and, and, and getting rid of your anxiety. But you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. And I just feel so alone in this. But let me just reassure you, you are not alone. Check out this video.
1: Hi, my name is Matt Sullivan. I am 42 years old. I have been happily married to my wife, Jen, for 12 years. We have two kiddos. Ella, who's 11, Luke, who's 9, we've been uh, part of the Great Oaks family since the summer of 2016 and I'm here today to share with you uh, a story of my challenge with anxiety. I first started to experience anxiety uh, really right around the time of COVID. The symptoms didn't present themselves physically until the spring of 2022, but uh, there were challenges in place and mostly in the workplace, where the workplace was just toxic for me. And um, by the spring of 2022, not only am I dealing with heightened symptoms, but the first week of March, I get the news that my wife has ruptured her right Achilles tendon, and two and a half weeks later, I get a call that my daughter has broken her left elbow. So, not only do I have a toxic work environment that is beginning to boil, uh, and create tension, physical symptoms that were tightening of the neck and difficulty swallowing and chest pain, but now my wife and my daughter were both down. As I began to, uh, to walk through this season of anxiety, I recognized that I, I didn't want to just settle for uh, medicine, just put me on medicine to treat the, to treat the situation. But I saw early on, and I'm going to praise God for this, that that counseling was important too. I wanted to better understand stress management and crisis management because I feel, based on what I, you know, my testimony, that these things were prevalent in my life, and I I needed to to understand how to handle that uh, for the future. During this time, my relationship with Jesus was there was a lot of head knowledge there, right? Like I know who Jesus is. And that Jesus is not forsaking me in this moment, but I had a ton of times where I'm going, God, where are you? I don't see, I don't even feel you right now. So I never felt abandoned, but I felt like that I had to, as a Christ follower, I felt like that I had to surrender emotion to what I knew to be as truth. And as a Christ follower, not everything is going to feel good all the time, but praise God that I we, as believers, have scripture which is absolute, and so leaning on, uh, leaning on the Word of God, even if I didn't feel excited or feel encouraged or feel, I had to just accept that the truth of God, the Word of God, that God is who He says He is, and He's going to see me through this season. So in the midst of this season of anxiety, uh, Jesus spoke to me a lot through other people, and I've, I've come to learn that, that there are, there's more than one way that Jesus is going to speak to you. And uh, he does that through prayer, he does it through uh, his word, but he'll also do it through other people. There were people in my life who, people that I knew that were close to me, uh, who would provide encouragement and support. There were people who at times were complete strangers that in that moment, at the coffee shop or at the grocery store, someone smiled, someone said hello, someone greeted lovingly, gently, softly that just fed me, and praise God that I was able to see that. In that moment, He helped me to see like that was Him. Uh, I wasn't alone, He was with me. When when trial hits in life, uh, you and your relationships are gonna be uh, stretched, and or your true friendships uh, are going to, uh, true friends are going to uh, be revealed. And uh, what I learned in that season was that the truth And power of friendship that I had from those in my life group uh, was significant Uh, so much so that the day I experienced the first panic attack it was one of the couples in our groups who were so kind enough to come and pick me up because my wife was unable to drive uh, because of her injury and so um, relationships were uh, so important to have and certainly those that that are uh, part of my life group they were incredible during that season my relationship with Jesus uh, it in a way not quite the same grew um, as a result of the trial as I leaned more into God not with the emotion of what I was experiencing because there was a disconnect there but it was with the truth of who God is and as I saw growth and healing in that and during that season that God brought me through that on the other side, and in reflection, I see now how he was never gone. He was always there with me, so my relationship with him grew to the point now where he's given me boldness to be able to talk about that experience. Having experienced uh, anxiety now uh, gives me a different perspective uh, on having conversations with those who have experienced anxiety and those who haven't. But for those of you who might be experiencing anxiety, maybe your symptoms are mild. Maybe you don't even recognize it as anxiety right now, but you're tense and there's tension and you're just trying to grind it out and get through it. But maybe you're on the other end of that spectrum where you have physical symptoms and you have pain in your chest or you have difficulty swallowing. What I I want to encourage you to do is first and foremost is to talk with somebody. Talk with somebody that you trust. Talk with somebody who you know loves you and cares for you and will listen to you. You aren't meant to walk through a season like this alone. And yes, I'm going to call it a season. Uh, So share that with somebody. And secondly, recognize that what you're experiencing that could be just the daily grind of work could eventually lead to physical symptoms that sort of show up. And so, my encouragement would be to evaluate yourself and what you're what you're feeling, and to be honest uh, with yourself in that space. And then, thirdly, continue to surround yourself with individuals who are going to encourage you, to pour into you, to who will support you, and see you through this time. And I I can tell you that my experience that God is the same today, as he was yesterday, and will continue to be, and his, his presence uh, is never so far away that you can't reach him, uh, that he doesn't see you. Uh, in fact, he's absolutely with you during that season.
0: I'm confident that there are people in this room this morning who are wrestling with worry and anxiety. And as you walk into this Christmas season, God wants you to know that God with you is enough for your anxious soul, if you let him. His presence, there is a fullness of joy. God is enough to protect, he's enough to provide, and he's enough to guide us as we walk through these seasons. We're gonna give you some time to respond this morning. If you're dealing with worry and anxiety this morning, we have prayer workers that will be on the side of the room, and they would honestly love to pray with you. There's no shame in coming forward for prayer. We know oftentimes it's intimidating to come forward and say, I need something because you think everybody is looking at you. As Matt shared in his testimony video, you are not alone in this. And I would just highly encourage you to come forward and ask for help. Our prayer workers will keep this confidential. They're not going to be blabbing everywhere about what's going on in your life. They just want to come before God with you to ask for his help and his encouragement over you. So I just highly encourage you to do that. If you're not comfortable with that, please just grab one of us pastoral staff. We'd love to talk to you as well. And then also, as a time to respond for all of us, we get an opportunity to sing. With one voice, sing with our our voices that God is enough for us. That in him and his presence, we get to experience a fullness of joy. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, I want to pray for those of us in this room right now that are dealing with worry and anxiety. God, I pray for them during this season. A season when when we should be experiencing just joy and life and peace because of the birth of your son. That so often we are, we are faced with fear and anxiety because of things happening in our worlds. Wondering about finances, wondering about family, wondering about jobs, wondering about all these things that just make us feel fearful. And Lord, we pray, God, that you would meet us in those spaces, that you would remind us of your goodness to us, that you would remind us that you want to protect us and keep us safe, and you are those comforting arms that we can run into. And God, that you want to provide. You provide community and people that love us and you provide for us materially and you provide, most importantly, spiritually for us. That we have a Savior who loves us and cares for us. And God, we thank you that you also remind us that you are our good guide. That we can follow you and trust you. That we can walk into your mighty care for us and know that in you, there is fullness of joy. God, fill us with your presence today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.